0: So uh, welcome to the Inside Out Life Podcast, where each episode bring you personal growth tips that spark you to take brave steps forward, share powerful stories to inspire a better life for you. I'm Beau Madrid, and I'm leading our conversation alongside Barry Samuel, who is the founder of Inside Out. So um, we have two incredibly powerful background stories from the amazing women who are here with us today. So I'm honored to introduce you to Emily Eaton, who is a registered nurse at Victoria Hospital in London, Ontario, and Sabrina Malik, a community organizer and environmental advocate. Sabrina actually has a very unique story that I'll only describe for now as a curbside delivery. So do do with that as you will, and we'll talk more about that later. And Emily, also big thanks. I know that you are a healthcare worker and that's just deserving of all sorts of applause because you're all the heroes of this pandemic, that's for sure. So thank you both so much for taking the time out of your day to come and talk to us.
1: And, and uh, we're here, can I just say, uh, just say we're here in four different places, right? Yeah. So we've got uh, London, Ontario, we're representing Ontario and Quebec doing uh, the Canada proud thing here so um, in Toronto Montreal London and currently in Thornbury Ontario uh, with Sabrina thornbury.
0: yeah um, if you both wanted to maybe say a little bit more about yourselves like that'd be yeah that'd be great
2: I'll go ahead and start too I I just unmuted myself again <laughs> um well yeah I just uh, I start I I used to be from Toronto, Ontario, but I moved to London um, chasing nursing school, uh, settled in a hospital that is just in town and uh, worked on the same floor since. They all welcomed me with open arms and then when the pandemic hit, lots of change, lots of policy, everything has been pretty crazy but at the same time we have a really good strong unit that has a lot of teamwork so we've been able to get through it I have also been off on injury for a little bit but now I'm back and I am embracing the third wave in a way and and I gotta say it is a little bit this this wave is definitely the biggest of them all uh and it's been it's been good and also at the same time you we see it a little bit be a little bit heartbreaking because people c- when they're in the hospital cannot actually go and see their loved ones or unless it's to say goodbye sometimes so anyway a uh, bit more about me too <laughs> sorry I keep going to my work um I also I'm a big fan of games. So that's been one of the things I've been doing on my off time during the pandemic. I have, I I was a big fan of, uh, I am still am a big fan of Pokemon Go, <laughs> which is a comb- combination of exercise and gaming. So um, if I just need an excuse to go out and have a mental health walk too, it's actually really good. And it's a good distraction from some of the things that you get to, you, like can be clouding in your mind, especially when it comes to work, so. And uh, I'm also a huge fan of exercise. I used to be a personal trainer. I somehow, am, I'm very happy that I've been able to curate my own gym in there, but I, uh, yeah, I, I love fitness. I love being able to just go out and be, do exercise. And being a recovery, recover sorry, recovered from my now back injury is, I'm am just happy even with everything that going that's going on.
1: And and I don't want to speak too long here. Just add to Emily's great bio and introduction. Uh, big advocate and living with diabetes. That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I don't. I know you won't object to me mentioning that. Never, because uh, I used how, to, that
2: was how we first met. So that was how we connected. Uh,
1: absolutely, and I'll just guy. get it in, I'll just get it in here in terms of you educating all of us on, on diabetes and um, being on the journey yeah. to both the physical journey and also uh, the mental health management and, and inspiring other diabetics uh, in terms of awareness and education. And uh, you, when you're in yeah. I got to get it in here. The sweat factor. She will endure all things. There we go. That's true. The acronym. Yeah. That's Emily's acronym.
2: And there's, I mean, there, even to my dudes with diabetes too, but here's the thing. We are all like, we all are in this together. We all want to be able to endure it all as well. Awesome. Having diabetes is is something that has always kind of given me a little bit more of a motivation to help people live healthful lives and those with diabetes often struggle because it is a lot of more factors that challenge our ability to be active or our ability to have a good mental health and then be able to take care of ourselves our self-care is super important in fighting this disease and sometimes it can be very challenging mentally. So you have to have your support groups. You have to have education, advocacy, make people you know not feel alone in fighting this. And that's just one of my big career goals. And that's one thing I wanna make sure there are less people out there who really don't feel alone while they're going through like diabetes and even some other challenges that come into their life because there are so many that just kind of get thrown in there every once in a while you know but perseverance
0: oh yeah for sure I honestly um the sweat acronym is really standing out to me right now because I feel like that could possibly be the theme or the main theme of this discussion is she will endure all things. And I think that definitely applies to both of you, but, but all like women everywhere. And all, even broadly speaking, just everyone else. Cause you know, we are all going through this and yeah, no, I think that's just something I wanted to point out, but yeah, it's Thank great. Yeah. Sure. yeah.
1: So we have Sabrina. I would love to hear from Sabrina.
3: Hi everyone. Um, So I am actually from Toronto and I live there, but I, my mom lives in Thornbury on the shores of Georgian Bay. So I'm here for the week um, with my daughter, Mira, and I am currently on maternity leave. Well, I just finished. um, So it's been a whole new year um, and motherhood really transformed me, which I, I think it does to everyone, but you don't really realize how it will until you go through it. Um, but it is truly a transformative experience. Um, Prior to being a mom, I worked for an environmental organization for 12 years, trying to mobilize and um, educate my community to take care of the earth um, through hands-on experiences. And I think on some level working in that field, I was always kind of back of my mind preparing for like not the apocalypse, but something like that. When you work in the environmental sector, you're thinking about climate change and pollinator decline and habitat loss and all this stuff. So I think when the pandemic hit, there was a bit of like, I knew this was gonna happen. Like something like, we weren't waiting for it, but with all the warnings of what was gonna happen, there was not a sense of relief, but a sense of like, okay, we knew something was coming. so I actually haven't said that out loud, but it's kind of a weird, weird thing to say. But it's actually true. Um, having a master's in environmental studies and an undergrad, you know, you can't help but think, what is the world going to look like? When is like a big catastrophic change going to come? So this, this sort of felt like one, albeit a gentle, relatively gentle one. I actually had COVID in January. Um, my daughter and I both got it. She was seven months, and we had a mild case but it was still pretty scary. Um, but it was also a remarkable bonding experience. Like just the two of us, no distractions, except friends who came to drop off food. Um, she learned how to crawl and we, we made the best of it. Um, and to be honest, I feel like as a new mom, being in a pandemic where we have food and technology to connect with people has actually not been so bad because there's no like fear of missing out or, oh my God, my friends are going to this concert. I wish I could go or running all over the place to this music class and this swimming class. And that was just been very focused on bonding and keeping it simple. And we've had a great time, Um, but I feel very fortunate, of course, you know, to have the, to have all of our needs met, um, even though we're in a pandemic.
1: And I just have a a cute little reference. And thank you for that. Um, And and I I think Bo's gonna ask you more about your stories. But if you listen really closely, you can hear the cicadas getting closer to the earth. I don't know if you uh, you read about that, but 17 years underground as larvae, the cicadas, I, I think I'm saying it properly. Some people say cicada, I say cicada. But for their lifespan, it's just remarkable when you, speaking of things in our environment, the bugs, and they're part of a certain species that I can't recall, because honestly, I didn't prepare that (laughs) that for this discussion. But I don't know if anybody read about that, but it's just mind-blowing to think that millions of cicadas come up through the surface of the earth after 17 years as larvae in the earth and uh they they shed their exoskeleton they're up in the air they're in the branches they're trying not to be eaten they're trying to uh Mm. populate and you know procreate and do do all those those things so anyway just a really quirky aside that more magic of the earth
0: so every 17 years it just happens there's just like a cycle of like rebirth sort of that's kind of cool i read about (laughs) this as
2: well as and uh so i know that it, I, I i remember but i can't remember the names of the specific cicada kind but they're smaller so this is, and it's apparently have going to happen in certain areas in north america i'm not sure even which yeah. ones but I've,
1: i yeah they talked about this this was headline kind of environmental science news in the last two weeks or so that uh, it, it's starting to happen now spread out over not a long period of time doesn't sound like no sound is the thing because if you don't know what a cicada is mm-hmm. can you hear they have a very distinct and and loud sound so my thing with sabrina is it's such a minimalistic life that we have now in our kind of lockdown and you know her intimacy with her her newborn is if they listen really closely maybe they'll hear them
3: <laughs> maybe you can post the article in the show notes i haven't yes. yet.
1: Awesome. Yes. So Bo, we're gonna turn it back over to you.
0: Okay. Um, I just I first wanted to just ask you, Sabrina, a little bit more um about that experience. I, I read I read the article today and first of all it was really well written. Um I I honestly feel like I was I was really wrapped into it and I was like, oh my goodness, like actually pretty it's very crazy. And I also just commend you for even because I mean, not that I have any experience with it, but pregnancy and childbirth seems like, like a, for lack of a better word, something. It sounds like a crazy feat.
1: So we want to get into it. I mean, curbside yeah, I'm delivery. Li- I'm
0: here to listen to it. <laughs> okay, I'm
3: happy. I'm happy to share um, this birth story. I do. I think it's amazing, though. You know, to think pregnancy and birth, like you just said, are this incredible feat, and yet all of us come from there. Like on one hand, it's the most normal thing and on the other hand it's the most miraculous thing it's like the salmon or the cicadas or the butterflies it's like these things that we take for granted are really remarkable um which is why i love nature so much so yeah and it's amazing you know i i wanted to have a baby for a long time And now that I'm a year in looking back on pregnancy, I was like thinking about it the other last night. I was like, wow, I don't know if I could do that again. It's like there's a number to your body Um, and it's a process that you don't doesn't happen. You know, it happens over nine months. But when you look back on it, it's like, wow, that was something else. But I do believe that all mothers are superheroes. um, And I'm just coming to terms with what a badass I am um, based on my daughter's birth story, which Um, I haven't slept in a year, so I will try to tell it. Um, so about a year ago, (laughs) about a year ago, I was 39 and I was due on the 16th of May. Um, so we were waiting and waiting. And then I went into labor and for first time mothers, they expect your labor to be like, I heard, I don't know, anywhere from 18 to like 36 hours, like supposed to be a long time. But my labor was seven hours. um, So it was faster than we thought. And it was, it was May. So the pandemic pandemic had hit in March. And there was a lot of kind of quick changes that we had to adapt to. Um, For example, I was, I had a midwife, but I was supposed to deliver in the hospital. So the midwives in pre-COVID times would come to your house, they would check the dilation of your cervix, they would check like, you're breathing and all this stuff. And then they would tell you when to go to the hospital, but the midwives were no longer coming to the house. So people were dependent on a birth partner or a partner to help navigate that timing. Um, And that person is supposed to be in touch with the midwife who would then provide guidance. So uh, my daughter's father was at the house and he has three other kids. So he was expecting a very long first labor. And um, so he was just chilling and sleeping. And I went into labor and I was in the shower for most of that seven hours, um, also expecting it to be a long time. But before I knew it, I was sitting on the toilet. A friend of mine had given me this great tip. She said, straddle the toilet backwards and then you can rest your head on the on the top part where the flusher is. So sitting like that and I was like, oh, my God, I could feel the baby's head crowning. It's called crowning, which. If you have um, a vagina, you can imagine, even if you've never had birth, given birth, what that's like. It's like a softball coming out of a small pole. You know when you're crowning. You just know it because you've never had it, but it's the perfect word. So I quickly screamed to Mira's dad to wake up and that it was, right, we were time, it was time to go to the hospital. So he had called his middle daughter, Lauren, to come and pick us up. Um, so she arrived at my apartment at 5.50 and my daughter was born at 6.08. So Lauren came into the apartment and she helped me get dressed um, and we walked to the car and then her dad who in the best of times drives like a maniac drove faster than I've ever experienced anyone driving while I was in the back seat on all fours and Lauren was rubbing my back. So we were driving if you know Toronto we're driving south on the Allen And I said, Oh my God, I'm crowning. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, I am crowning. I know what I'm doing. Like there's a softball coming out of my vagina, not yours. I'm crowning. So he started driving faster um, and he was kind of freaking out. So then we made, we went east on the 401 towards North York general hospital. And I looked up and I saw the sunrise and I said, okay we're getting close because I know we're going east instead of south. Finally, we get to the hospital. It must have taken us six minutes. It usually would take twenty. He's a very, very fast driver, and with a partner in the back seat crowning, he was driving very, very fast. So we get to the hospital, and it's COVID. And he runs into the hospital. He tries to find a door, saying, "Help! Help! We're having a baby!" So this next part of the story happened in a period of maybe ninety seconds, maybe less. But he's he runs into the hospital. Help! Help! We're having a baby. And I crawled out of the car and I took off all my clothes the sun was rising and I said to his 20 year old daughter I said Lauren get behind me and catch the baby she said what so get behind me and catch the baby so she got down on her knees and she stood underneath me and she lifted up her arms like this and in one push her sister came out and so Lauren was looking up at me like this I think I had like pooped and bled and peed on her and she was holding her sister who was blue and not breathing and she was like Oh my god, and then the baby started crying and I said Lauren pass the baby between my legs and I put her on my chest. Um and then her father came running back and was like I said, "Look." I said, "How look?" and I was holding the baby. And then so that was all 90 seconds and then the next thing I know there are 60 nurses all in masks all around us. I'm on the on the parking lot ground holding the baby um, everybody's in masks. I don't know why we had my grandmother's blanket in the car, but I was covered in her blanket. And, um, I looked to my right and there was a, it was my midwife in her mask. I said, Karen, is that you? She said, yeah. I said, Oh, okay. I said, wait, I want to wait to cut the cord. She said, it's already been time. So she cut the cord. And then we went into the hospital and, and spent the night there and everything was fine. But, you know there was the the power of the sunrise really that morning is what got me through and so um i re- i wanted to name mira orly which in hebrew means my light because i do feel like the sun and the power of like a may sunrise just kind of gave me the fierce uh instinctual power to push her out outside um but we decided to call her mira orly and mira means like many things like It means the one who shines. It means princess. It means ocean. It means many things in different languages. So her name is Mira Orly. Um, But yeah, it was just a remarkable story. And the more I talk about it now, the more I'm like, that was so wild. I can't believe I did that. I labored by myself in the shower without any medication. I was like in this meditative state. We had taken a course called Hypnobirthing, which um, uses like meditation and mantras and, and different tools to help ease childbirth um, and take away the elements of fear and pain and look at it as just a natural thing that women have always done. Um, so instead of calling the contractions, contractions, you call them um, waves or surges. And every time you have a surge, you say every surge is bringing me closer to my baby instead of like, holy shit, this hurts a lot. I need some meds so it was a lot of mind over matter. Oh, another funny part of the story is I live in the basement of my grandmother's house and the tenants upstairs had moved in 2 days before and their bedroom is on top of my bathroom. So they heard me in the shower moaning and they had only lived there for 2 days and they wanted to text me and say, "Hey, we think you should get to the hospital." Meanwhile, I wasn't checking my phone and my daughter's father was sleeping so nobody would have answered anyways. But It just the whole story shows me that, like, no matter how domesticated we think we are, especially women have this wild power inside of us to, like, push a baby out of a small hole without medication under the sun. And, like, we think, like, here we are in the 21st century, super modern zooming and computers and internet and we can order food and we don't have to grow our own food and we can medicate our births which is great if you need that but we can also push a baby out under the sunrise in the parking lot and have our she's not my stepdaughter but my i call her my my sister midwife which is my dad's daughter's my dad's daughter my dad's daughter sorry my daughter's dad's other daughter and my daughter's sister She just like instinctively knew how to catch the baby. We have it in us. And another thing is that I told her, I said, get behind me and catch the baby. I knew that she needed to stand behind me. I took off all my clothes. And I also said to her, pass the baby through my legs because we were still attached at the cord. None of that was thought. It's not like I thought, oh, I'm going to take off all my clothes because I can't birth a baby through my shorts. I didn't think, oh, she should stand behind me because that will make more sense gravity wise. And I didn't think, Oh, she should pass her through my legs. It was just all instinct, um, which just goes to show, we just still have this ancient wisdom in us and we don't necessarily need people to tell us how to birth, how to eat, how to go to the bathroom, how to exercise, how to, we just know, sometimes we just know what to do. So that's my badass story.
1: It's and really my friend badass. bought me t
3: t-shirt <laughs> soon after, which was You know, sometimes you just have to have your own back and make things happen.
1: So I'm sure this is for anybody listening at this point. My hair on my arms was standing up on edge (laughs) the whole time. And there were, speaking of waves, there were a couple of waves because there were so many nuances and descriptive pieces. And it's just remarkable, Sabrina, like, obviously that speaks for itself. But just in terms of you going over each little detail and coming on here, you're like, uh, maybe I won't remember everything. Or maybe I can't speak like an adult anymore. And I got mommy brain or things like that. There's one thing though. So I'll back up for a second. You had a, a beautiful account of this whole curbside delivery, the parking lot of the hospital, not making it inside the hospital uh, in time because of this like you, you, you know, summarized all the, the time periods, the time, timeline, timeline is what I want to say. And just like everything happened in a blink of an eye, but you, you picked up on the sun and the light and that was great. What did you do with your clothes? We didn't talk about that.
3: I don't know where they are actually,
1: but they, they, they weren't on you. That's my point.
3: They were not on me, but I didn't go into the hospital naked. So I guess they put them back on me. Um, I was wearing shorts. I do have the sweatshirt. I was wearing a big sweatshirt and
1: shorts. So you're six six 6.08 or six a.m. in the morning, the sun's just starting to come up. Yeah. It's sorry, what's what's when is uh Sierra. is mirror gonna be one?
3: Next Friday, May 21st.
1: So it's the 21st of May. So it's like just a stunning time of year, as you, you say, change of seasons. And so you 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 come out of the car and I'm at leaning, what point do you I, take I, everything I, off of you?
3: And I also forgot to mention I was leaning against the car. Um, with my hands up
1: as if it were an arrest
3: yes exactly we have pictures there's like blood all over his car at the outside Um, but I had watched a YouTube video a few nights earlier saying let gravity be your friend during birth Um, so I did remember that and just to like um, you know to tie a little bit of it all together is they had called code pink so when all these nurses came out They had thought it was an emergency. Um, Everybody looked the same, but I did write in the article that the power of kindness of the nurses, how they just were all there. I felt so safe. I felt so held, even though I had birthed her pretty much myself with with Lauren behind me. The nurses at the hospital were like angels. Um, And I really think that being a nurse is such an honorable, critical thing to do. And I just, I commend you for your work. Um, and if I didn't feel like, you know, my, my role in this world was to help people appreciate nature more. I always said I would, I would love to be a nurse. So.
2: that that's appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. When um, nursing goes in the family, that is- me actually. <laughs> Grandmother and, uh, ton of my cousins and my uh other aunt she there's just so many of my family (laughs) the nursing just felt natural to me and everybody said it would be a good fit for me too so but it's not for everybody i can tell you that
0: (laughs) well that is a crazy story i said that already but i was i was there I was like, oh my, God, this is like, I, I don't know. I, I assume this is going to be posted on YouTube, maybe. So I'm just going to watch myself on mute. My eyes are just like going really wide.
2: This is one of the wilder ones, but it is also so powerful and so beautiful. So thank you for sharing as well.
3: Thank you. And thank you for listening. You know, as I come into this first year, I've been thinking about the story a lot and just how incredible it is. It took me a year to catch up. Right. Cause it was sort of traumatic in a great, beautiful way. Thank God everything was okay, but it's still traumatizing kind of. Um, yeah. So sometimes it takes a year to catch up and to be able to tell the story again. That's why I wrote it also for Toronto life. Um, they published the story in September was, I just needed people to be, to reflect back to me that like that was epic and like, you're a badass, and your daughter's amazing, and women are powerful, and women are bad, endures all things, right? Like, so we need to tell these stories, and we need to remind ourselves when we go through them that we are really badasses. So it's good, it's great to tell the story again and, and to have you guys reflect back to me the awesomeness of it. Thank you.
1: So, yeah, did... no, go ahead, oh, sure. sorry.
0: I'm sorry it's hard not to cut people off sometimes so like hopefully it doesn't sound super weird in audio but I was going to say that um especially like during this especially during the pandemic like resilience is something that we should definitely talk about more often I feel like most of the times it, I mean obviously it's an incredible diff, incredibly difficult for everybody but I feel like it would be very helpful to highlight and like emphasize. If the, oh, there we! Oh, there we go. Love it very. <laughs> but it, but it's great and like hearing these stories and hearing what both of you do. It's just like there's so much strength that's still there. Like I understand that you know we've all been beaten down in one way or another, but it's super important just to, you know, remind ourselves of. Um, that sort of backbone like that we all have you know so that's really great for sure
1: and and in terms of the service that we we try to you know the odd listener can or viewer whichever the case may be can take away in terms of being inspired being empowered one thing in terms of as we all know coping with the pandemic um you know if if we weren't already living in the age of anxiety, now you throw a pandemic on top of that. So now we're all looking to the wonderful badass inspiration of ours, Sabrina, who just like cut through all medication's not necessary. Let's let's breathe through it. I can no. deal with anxiety. I can deal with stress. What what any um well, nuggets or um, tips you you can give people that are listening, maybe in terms of dealing with their stress better or anxiety or.
3: I have to tell you, I've never been. I've had some terrible anxiety this year, and I, you know, I was a badass in that moment. But there's been some really hard times. Um, but I will say, my nugget at the moment, I am reading a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It is phenomenal. She's already sold over 2 million copies. Right now, her podcast, she launched her podcast today. It's already the number one podcast on Apple podcast. She's remarkable, but she has a mantra like your sweat, which is we can do hard things. And it's that simple. She saw it in a kindergarten class. We can do hard things. So I think that's what helps me right now. Getting through my anxieties is like, we can do hard things. We can birth babies and parking lots we can get vaccinated even if we feel hesitant about it we can endure a pandemic and it's it's that simple of we can do hard things because I think I was personally taught that life is supposed to be good and easy that's what the 80s was like in the suburbs of Toronto it's like good and easy and if it's not then there's something wrong but the truth is is there's hard things a lot and we just have to believe that we can do them.
1: So shall we go to Miss Sweat next?
3: Oh,
1: she will endure all things. Continuing the theme.
2: Now I just, you know, it's it's kind of ironic because it's I used to be like the sweatiest person when I was (laughs) my exercise classes as well. So yes, Miss Sweat.
1: (laughs) How long have you been nursing? uh, Been in the uh, nursing. Front, not our front layer field. Thank you. You said it better than I, I could.
0: So officially
2: graduate. You know, what's funny is like, yeah, I officially graduated three years ago and okay. successfully passed my NCLEX as well. It was a moment to behold. I was actually at my gym that I found. I found a nice local small gym in London. It's, it was It's utterly wonderful. And it reminds me of Inside Out. Um, in terms of its, uh, it, it, like the community, and in terms of the space, but it's, it's wonderful. So anyway, I was there when I found out my test results, and I cried
1: because oh, it was that's... one of the
2: hardest exams I have ever written in my entire and, life.
1: And do you remember the date? Because awesome. we remember, we'll we'll never forget May twenty first. Do you remember yeah. the date of
2: May twenty first? Is never going to be forgotten. But I <laughs> wrote, I passed that I. I read that I passed in June 10th so it was about a month like yeah it was it was an incredible feeling. Um, I didn't start working until like a few months later just so like they had already hired a bunch of students so they were doing it rather slowly with me but that's okay.
1: And well maybe you've seen everything else in a short period of time, aside from a curbside parking lot childbirth. Um, hey, we,
2: we, hear of a few, we hear of a few different crazy things like that, but it's incredible whenever that kind of thing happens.
1: So you, you've been on the front line of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, in London, Ontario at Victoria Hospital. Yeah. And what a wild ride this has been. And I was asking you the other day how you're holding up in terms of the mental fatigue, mm-hmm. because we were, you know, starting to read about a little bit of pushback from the medical field in terms of, of that, that, uh, you know, it's a 24 seven endeavor, which is, is uh, inhumane. It's, uh, you know, it's just not possible. So how, how are you balancing and maybe give us, yeah you know, just, Start by telling us uh, where it started uh, in terms of your observations, experiences and where it is now.
2: Oh, in terms of when, uh, with the pandemic?
1: Yeah, just like what what stands out for you in terms of the adventure?
2: Well, I mean, it was, it can be, it was a little bit messy just because we had some, we did have a few issues with getting masks, but then, once everything kind of settled in terms of ppe it was more policy and not having visitors that really made the biggest difference because unfortunately there was they didn't want they wanted to minimize the risk of exposure everywhere and people they just see like the how you patients are mental health wise and how they want to take care of themselves and also just who you see, you see a lot of people with issues related to uh, substance abuse and drinking more because of this. This is something that our unit takes care of on a regular basis. And it highlights the social problems in the pandemic, like right in front of our eyes sometimes, because we see, we, we will hear their stories, we'll hear the struggles, we'll hear, um in in one in those in the community's poorest who are not doing very well and that's I think probably what affects me the most I it affects my colleagues too it's all of us with uh hearing about how we're okay we know that we have consistent work and we have income but hearing about the stories of how if people losing a lot, and people losing um, their security, they're, they're also losing family members sometimes due to illness related to COVID. Seeing the long-term care homes as well because we were taking them in when the pandemic did first start, but also hearing about those that didn't get to make it to us. So it can't, it was, it, I can see a lot of us in the pandemic being very mentally affected, um, a little bit more mentally strained or uh, a little bit more burnt out than usual. And we will have our ways of, we have to have ways of coping because there's no other way. A lot of us have gotten dogs. <laughs> So dogs, and for me, it's uh, a lot of gardening, um, a lot of tending to plants. I like going on nature walks. I actually took one just before we were about to start today, and it's just wonderful to see so many like trilliums and to see wildlife in your own backyard too, and you know just the springtime blooms. So just. Makes you appreciate the smaller things more. You have to change a little. Like, I find that I had to change a little bit of my outlook too, throughout the pandemic in terms of just trying to stay positive because we. It's it's very stressful. It's very um, hard to keep positive in these circumstances, but I can tell you that even just for me, looking at some of the positive things and also the fact that I am one of those workers who is privileged enough to be able to see people face-to-face in my day-to-day interactions. Even some, when it's just my patients who are very ill, so it can be heartbreaking, but I would like to, I try to make it better and try to make it turn around in their day, like, tell them a joke, talk to them, anything to help them feel better makes myself feel better as well. Because I see, I see the pandemic in so many different fronts, social, physical, mental, and the best, most we can do is just make your mental better. If we, and we, while we try doing our physical work, because most of what we have to do definitely is related to physical health we not. A, we have other units with mental health issues as well, but that's we. We're definitely more. Of a, we deal with physical. Mental health, though, in, is is so important to help with your patients. In terms, you have to be their support. You have to help them at the same time. I. I feel. I feel like. Most people who come into our hospital this time, sometimes, if their motivation isn't there, then it's not going to help them get any better. Just the same with any of us, we have, we do have to endure through all of this, and having even just a positive interaction, helping people, help want to help themselves. That's something that I've always wanted to strive for in my work, and. One thing that so many of us in our floor still do, we still, we do it with each other. We're trying to boost our own workplace environment so that we can stay positive through all of this. We have each other's backs. We all, we all always have, but I think more than ever, we have been meeting it with each other there too. And then it's just wonderful. It's just so many other things uh, change when they're off with our off time because there we see lots of there's there's a few things we see grotesque we see really depressing sort of situations with our patients because we want to make sure we take care of every we take care of almost everyone and anything so people who come in with random problems and then they get a terrible diagnosis. We deal with that on a regular basis. COVID is no different in terms of that, but it's just really prevalent right now. And I, oh man, I kind of had a little point there. I'm sorry, I lost track. (laughs) Um, But I think we all really have to just kind of keep it in, we're all in this together and to help endure through. Because it's so, like, this is the only way we're all going to actually make it through. Because I, we, we have been badasses from the start too, as nurses, both male, female, doesn't matter who comes into our, our land of, our, our field of work. Um, We work with a lot of other professionals, so with doctors, doctors working tirelessly through all of this. We, we just need to always have, each, like we all have each other's back. So it's just, it's wonderful to work in, but one of the most stressful times of my life.
1: <laughs> um, in terms of the, the journey of being, uh, being a nurse and being involved in a pandemic, as you look at this a year later, wave three, um, Imagine for a moment, if we could you know, suspend the pandemic and pretend it didn't happen, and you were just continuing to go about your first couple of years in a quote, normal way. As you reflect, like in terms of the fatigue and how it's just been tireless and like words that are unspeakable, we can't even find the words yet because to use what Sabrina said earlier, we've talked about the term trauma um
0: oh yeah in that
1: when you're trying to kind of break down in the stages of trauma and how you grieve and how you reconcile and how you come to terms i'm just also wondering on on the flip side because you know there's like life to get philosophical i think as part of this discussion is we have darkness but we have the light we there 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 are those magical moments yeah so like if you have the choice of of not having this experience and learning opportunity. And you've just probably advanced yourself 20 years within the space of one or maybe more in terms of your experience and, and training.
2: It depends on what you're also exposed to as well in this field, because not oh, it's not always the same. I think medicine can be uh, one of those that can be trying for some people because there is a risk of but like, not just, it's not just heavy physical, but also potentially mentally abusing because people who are sick are not always going to be kind to you, but we can always be kind to them because people, I, and I have this understanding that if you are ill and you are, trying you're being unkind it's because you are projecting it's not because you are in I shouldn't be taking it personally it's somebody is hurt somebody is sick and not doing well and the only thing that is going to stop this and make it better is them feeling better some people you can't help it some people will be more bitter than others but those that I like, whether you are better or not, there's some people that are sick and hurt, you just need to help them, that's it. And you can only do your best at making them feel better. And, you know, it's just something we tell each other and it's, it takes a lot of grit to be able to continue working through conditions that like that too. It is, it's also, like it, it teaches you a lot about life as well. I think you learn what, where people can come from and you also learn that illness can also bring out some of the worst in people and they don't even know about it. And sometimes they are utterly confused and you can't do anything about it. And then manage them medically and make sure that they stay safe. So, it, it, yeah, it can be very, um, like, just uh, without any pandemic being involved, people do look up to nurses or look at this field as challenging, but it's it's rewarding at the same time. It also definitely takes the right pe- kind of people, I think. And, um, those people that do do it are wonderful. So most of them, <laughs> we can't, we have exceptions in every way, every place and exceptions in medicine we've had. So and that's, that's some things it's an important life lesson
1: too. Wow. You, you really gave us in some way, in many ways, more than of an insight because you just like relating it to how you're feeling in uh your observation like I think that's uh really uh a beautiful thing and uh just like yeah uh, I wasn't expecting you to go as deep as as you are and not that I'm surprised I'm just <laughs> thank you
2: well you're welcome been, there's always only so much I can do with my, my line of work and can't do it alone. Honestly, you know, we've always been, we, we're just business as usual. And everybody's like, oh, you yeah, guys are just like, I'm getting, you know, sometimes very random bouts of praise. And I'm just, sometimes I'm just like, I'm just doing what I had been before. I'm not, I, me at first, COVID was very scary and kind of having that. You need. You want to have that. Yeah, you definitely want to have confidence in what you're doing. But with so there was a lot of unknown factors. But I took. I, I read a lot. I talked to a lot of people about uh, issue like what PPE is needed for what kind of care, and now I feel confident to jump into any kind of situation. So.
1: Well, I, I feel like and I'm, I'm hopeful. That we can we can do this we can continue this with you Emily. It's uh, just to, to to watch you on your career path uh, is really uh, uh, it's just uh, we're so lucky to have you. Thank you. Um, so I thought, and if Bo will allow me, I don't know. I just thought that we could. <laughs> I mean that we we have the crossover of healthcare here today, obviously, and. And hopefully that that's uh, that's come together very nicely. and Talked about how she will endure all things. So uh, just to kind of float, uh, we are in spring. Um, mm-hmm. we, the, the 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 bees are around us, trying to do their thing, and that's that's Sabrina's wheelhouse. And maybe she hasn't had to. Get that academic, uh, you know, environmental brain on in, in a year, also. So this will, this will be her challenge, or her to show her own light. Uh, it's just uh, what a what a beautiful time. And I know Sabrina, not to to do the heartstrings too much, but we're talking cycle of life. You mentioned when we spoke not long ago how your dad had passed, and I know, boy, anybody I talk to that knows you, just knows of the connection between you and your father. Um, it's just flowers are blooming, love is in the air, and it's everlasting. Do you you have any message or anything? I mean, I just kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. uh, uh, But you're gonna have to unmute yourself before you say anything. (laughs)
3: Um, No problem at all. Yeah, May is an interesting month because my father passed away um, on May 14th in 2011 and Mira was born May 21st and it's just I kind of love and hate this month like it's almost so beautiful that it hurts um and I think that's just kind of what life is like like I said you know growing up in the suburbs in the 80s we thought that life was all flowers and my friend and I joke that we grew up in oatmeal we grew up in this really safe kind of world where it was just May flowers but as I've gotten older it's like I'm learning to hold both like the beauty and loss of life. And I feel like this time of year really embodies that for me personally. Um, yeah. There's like, it, there's so much rebirth around us that it's, it's beautiful, but it's also painful in a way, especially during COVID because we can't celebrate the spring in the way that we might otherwise. um can't celebrate with community which is so important so I'm just learning again back to this book untamed that we can do hard things and part of that is holding all the feelings of love and loss and and birth and death and yeah so that's that's how I'm sort of moving forward and in this I just turned not just I turned 40 in December but there's sort of a maturity that happens when you realize that life is full of of struggle and joy. And I think this time of year, for me personally, really, really embodies that.
1: Well, this is the last thing I'm gonna say, thank you for sharing that. Uh, But also on a positive note, like it is, you know, given the time of rebirth, um, and that we're not sharing it together in person, I bet you people are hearing the cicadas, Cicadas. I keep saying it wrong, the cicadas for the first time. like just like noticing things yeah. with less distraction and uh, you know it's just to say there there is a little bit of this silver lining not to say we would choose this circumstance by a long shot or ever mm. but given that we're here and and Emily went for her hike this afternoon maybe she saw things she never noticed before and just to kind of go back earlier Sabrina you're saying that um, I, I can't remember exactly, but how um, observing the flowers and or not taking them for granted and like they're they're always here for us. Well, they're they're not always going to be here for us necessarily. And I know you're a big advocate of you know ecosystem and environment and the bees, but that might have to wait for wait for it another podcast. <laughs>
0: This is great. Thank you so much to both of you and to Barry, obviously for everyone coming on. I feel like the conversation just sort of took a life on its own, which is great. And Any I final I words?
1: <laughs> so ready to listen. Our, our amazing guests. Yeah. I mean, it's such an honor to have you both. Uh, and I'm sure listening to each other, I, I, I don't know what's going through your mind, but kind of seeing you a little bit here, I kind of imagine what we might be going through your mind. Maybe just a little share on how you'd like to wrap up today.
3: Like I said before, I just want to thank Emily and all the nurses for your righteous work. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I really admire, admire what you do. So keep, keep enduring, you've got this.
2: Thanks guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. definitely, I'm gonna keep on enduring. We gotta, and we're all gonna get through this, okay? So
0: hundred percent again
2: for having me.
1: Well, if we got you wearing your cape no, thank you. on our side.
2: I don't wear capes, <laughs> I wear gowns. Level two, or level three, le- water resistant.
1: <laughs> oh, and your, your booties? You told not me you wear your booties.
2: Not all wear capes.
1: So. Your mat, wait, two, two, two sets of gloves, not just one set of gloves.
2: See, you, if, oh. if it's really, really necessary for the, for the person going in, sometimes we're wearing the two gloves. But for most patients, it's a one, a gown and a mask with the face shield and gloves
0: for all of those who are listening you can keep listening to this podcast on youtube spotify google podcasts and anchor